Hey, what's up? Good morning, everybody. At least it's morning here in Arkansas. It's a rainy, nasty morning here in Arkansas. But welcome to the Photographic Collective podcast. I'm going to be the silver lining today. Guys, my name is Miles Wood Boyer. Uh, y'all, I'm in, a, uh, I'm in a really good mood today. Um, I'm sitting here drinking coffee. It's my favorite thing in the morning to, to sort of start slow. I, I love the, I, the idea of like hitting the office with a cup of coffee and, uh, and some time catching up with friends, which is exactly what I get to do today. Um, I have the opportunity today to introduce you guys to a good friend of mine. He, early on, I would say was maybe like a mentee of mine and has quickly become um, not just a peer or a colleague, but, but also like an inspiration. He's a guy that, that really affects my work and, uh, and affects my day-to-day life. Um, so if you're over on YouTube, you can already tell who, who I'm sitting with. But if you're in the podcast world, I'm excited to introduce you guys to, uh, to my buddy Joe Torres today. Let me, let me paint this scene for us really quick because we, we are going to get into like who Joe is, where Joe is, all of that stuff. If you don't know who Joe Torres is, um, believe me, we're going to get to that and you should. But before we get to that, let me sort of set the scene for us. This conversation started, Joe, because you you felt as though... Well, let's just get to it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's this giant break in the industry between jumping in and getting your feet wet and getting getting that camera getting excited and and what basically like i felt that a lot of creatives are essentially afraid of sales and the reason for that is because when people think of sales they think of the used car salesman and as creatives we lean into our emotion so sales is very logical but you can incorporate emotion, but you've got to be kind of tactful. And I and that's why I'm really excited to talk to with you today, because that's what I want to get into and kind of talk about how like, yeah, I was in that boat too. I was afraid of sales and now I love sales. And I don't see it as this barrier anymore, but instead of it's kind of part of the whole experience. Okay, so spoiler alert there, y'all, we're talking about sales today. Um, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for very long, you know the last couple episodes have been sort of a departure, right? Like we sat with Tom Wright and talked about the one thing I promised I would never talk about was gear. And uh, and then here we are talking with Joe about the other the other thing that I swore up and down we would never have a conversation about. But Joe, did you you talked me into this? And the reason you talked me into it is because of what you just said. This isn't going to be a podcast episode filled with how to close more sales. It's going to be probably more along the lines of why closing sales is important. And I think for most of us, right? Like, I, I mean, you're, you're, I, I hope you're there with me. For most of us, it feels so logical to like nod our head and be like, obviously we have to, we have, to have a high percentage of closing. We have to make money for our families. We have to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Joe, why, like, if we can rationalize that, at least in your perspective, if, if people can rationalize why sales is important, why then are we so terrified to get good at it? Oof. <laughs> um, I think it's just primarily the way we're taught about sales and the way that, we're, that we view sales. Um, I think if we think very structurally, 
you know, sales seems like this thing like, oh, I have to sell a package and I've got to try and the, the key there is I have to try and get them to buy something versus I'm actually assistant. I'm the assistant buyer. I'm not trying to get them to necessarily buy anything. I'm just recommending based on what you told me, what you want, what you need, the conversation that we just had. Hey, I recommend this. And I think that's the distinction that we have to start making is it's not I'm forcing you to do anything. I'm assisting you in what I think is the best thing for you. Man, you uh, were five minutes in, Joe, and I, you actually just blew my mind. The assistant buyer. I'm, st- I'm not kidding when I say that. That's, uh, that's brilliant. And it's getting right into my next workshop. Okay, so I'm stealing that from you. Uh, <laughs> so, so back us up like a, a just, you know, I don't know, 15 or 18 miles because we've already gone far too long down the road to not know who you are. So tell, tell us a little bit about who Joe Torres is, where Joe Torres is, and, uh, and then maybe sort of, if you don't mind, take us down the road of the last like 18 months of your life and, uh, and how, how getting into sales like this has been so crucial for you. Sure. So uh, as we've already established, I'm Joe Torres. Uh, I own uh, Joseph Torres Photography and I'm based in New York City. I am a photographer and videographer for weddings, and sometimes I actually shoot both solo hybrid. So there's a can of worms for you. Um, But yeah, so going 18 months back, I don't think really does it. I think it kind of stems deeper than that, um, back to like my personal training days, um, where that's where I really learned like kind of how to differentiate of being a salesman versus being the assistant buyer. Um, And it kind of went into really focusing on the big thing is taking me a little bit out of the equation or a lot of out of the equation and turning into, hey, I want to learn about you. you. What's important to you as my customer, as my client, as my friend, right? Um, And that's kind of where things have, have really, I've noticed. And then it wasn't just personal training. It's every aspect, whether it was recommending a television to a friend, a phone, a camera, um, you know, and then I took that same learning experience into photography and videography. And I just changed some words. So that, that's kind of really where, where things have gone is, is I want you to have this. So how do we get you this? But there is a price tag. Mm, I like it. Okay, so, so you just said something I think is, is critical for people to grasp is that the, there's often this, uh, this unhealthy connection between sales and cost. And those are, at least in my opinion, like talk to talk to us about that. But I think those are two very different things, right? Like you, just because you have to buy something doesn't necessarily mean we need to immediately talk about how much it costs to purchase it. Um, in fact, actually, I think you often need to establish value, right? Like you need to establish what something is worth before you talk about how much it costs. 
Um, I know you and I have had those conversations a million times, both in the photo code group and in workshop settings and, and stuff like that. So, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm fascinated here by your approach. How do you take people down that road and, uh, and, and get them to a point where they understand the value of what you're selling before the sticker shock happens? I was really hoping you would ask that. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by stealing a line from you actually, which is going an inch wide and a mile deep. And what I mean by that is when you first interact with that client, um, you know, and you get them on the phone. A lot of times, at least here in New York. And I'm sure everywhere else, but I'm going to call out Long Island. <clears throat> the number one thing uh, I've noticed across is they, a, a bride or groom will contact a photo studio and they'll be like, hey, we're looking for photography, videography, whatever. And the photo studio goes, okay, cool. Here, what's your date? What's your venue? Um, how many people? Okay, here's our pricing. No point did they ask them about what do they want. You don't care who Tom and Sally are. You don't care who Stephanie and Adam are. Um, and I think that's, to me, that's the critical point because I think this is going as a little sidetracked, but as a creative or as a wedding photographer, videographer, our job is to tell a story. And we can get bored real fast because we know weddings follow a very similar timeline no matter what wedding it is. You know, there's prep. You know, there's the ceremony, reception. And somewhere in between, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. But what about the couple? They didn't just arrive here overnight. It took them six months, a year, three years, five years, 10 years. And so that is critical to me on understanding them. And I think <clears throat> the shock to a lot of people is, or the couples I have talked to, the number one thing they say across is like, wow, you actually took time to find out about us. And the way I do that is I jump on a phone call I say hi, and I, blur, and I quickly try to blur the line between vendor and friend because I want to be friend first. So that way, when we come to the point where we've got to talk about pricing, I just want to recommend things to you and give you that freedom of choice versus forcing something down your throat. So when I jump on a call, the first question, I say hi, see how they're doing, you know, and the first and big thing for me is also like having video calls with them. I want to see faces. Uh, granted, we spent two years being remote and not seeing people. So I want to see some faces. Um, but it's critical for me to see faces because I get to watch their reaction when I ask certain questions. So the first question I typically ask is, hey, so Miles, I'm going to use you and Melissa as an example. Um, if I jumped on a call with you, I would go, hey guys, tell me about 
who is Miles and Melissa? Like, who are you guys as a couple? That's a very open-ended question. And sometimes, and it's up to the couple to see where, you know, you kind of feel out where are they going to go with that. Some will be very vague. And if they are, I go, tell me more. And now all of a sudden it starts to click in their head that I'm more invested in them and their wedding than they probably are. Like, oh, this guy actually wants to know us. He's not just kind of like, we still haven't talked about photography at all. I'm finding out who they are. Then kind of once I get a good idea and I'm taking notes, the next question I ask is, hey, Miles, what are three things you absolutely love about Melissa? And then tell me three things you physically love about her. And then I'll ask her the same question. And they're not allowed to give the same answers. And to watch them look at each other, to watch them interact and kind of put them in the hot seat for a second creates an entirely different experience than what either they have or haven't seen yet from other photographers and videographers. And so then I address that with their answers and I go, so let's just three examples. Uh, Miles, give me, give me three things that you love about Melissa and three things you physically love about her. Mm, I love that she is bold. I love that she is, uh, is absolutely tenacious. She is, she has no stop in her whatsoever. And I love that she is, um, she's cautiously sensitive um, and let's see, her eyes are amazing. Uh, I've always loved her hair. That's probably weird. Um, but she's had this like long, straight Jennifer Anderson hair from the day I met her. And, uh, and I get, oof, I'm going to get canceled for saying this, but she's so thin and I just love how like long and skinny and lean she is. Okay, cool. So Miles, you know what you just told me? No. That photos that are important to you are ones where you're looking into her eyes, ones where you're probably playing with her hair, ones where maybe she's alone and we can kind of see her tall and slenderness. Ooh, it just got hot here, she, Joe. <laughs> or maybe even where you're holding her against you. Because what she says, I won't know, but most of the time we can say, okay. Uh, the female will usually say, or the bride will usually say, I love that he makes me feel confident or he makes me feel grounded. So as a visual artist, what is the first thing that goes into your mind? She's wrapped around him. And so I use that and I say, hey, so that tells me these things are important to you. Am I right or wrong? And of course I'm right. And at that point, they kind of smile and they're like, oh, my God. And then the last question I'll ask is, wouldn't you guys agree that it's important for your photographer or videographer to understand these things that are important to you? And what are they doing? Nodding. And once I kind of get the nod, I know from there it's pretty much almost done deal. Because okay, now it's like a lot of the car keys and we can drive home. Yeah. <laughs> now, psychologically, I've gotten you in this mode. Then I'll get into, then then I, you know, we'll talk some more and then I'll ask, my favorite is, I stole this from Pi. Um, 
by Jirza. And it's the, the wave technique that he uses, but I love it because it puts the restriction on the couple. But you're also learning, again, more things that are important to this couple. So let's say I'll get to the point where I'm like, okay, guys, if let's say your wedding day comes and goes, it's a year from now. And let's just say you're going to place a photo from your wedding somewhere in your home. What's someplace you, you choose? Most of them choose living room, bedroom, somewhere they're going to see it every single day. Great. Let's say it's big. Let's say it's like three by four feet. It's big. But let's also say it was an investment. I don't want you to think about the whatever it costs, but I just want you to know it's an investment. So we know that you're going to see it every day. It's big. And it costs you a pretty penny. So we'd have to say that this photo is really important now, don't we? And what are they doing? Yes. Okay. So what is one, what does that one photo include? They're gonna tell you whatever it is they want. On the wedding day, you're definitely gonna capture that. But it gives you more insight because if one of them says, I want a photo of just us looking out and they kind of go into this story of like all the troubles that we faced or, you know, X, Y, Z. And to me, that's really cool because now I just got to like in the beginning, if you didn't answer me with a really deep answer, I just got it right now. And that's crucial because I've made you vulnerable. And now that you're vulnerable with me, you trust me that you've established some trust. And that's really, really important because and this is a line I literally say every single time. It's, guys, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when you forget who the hell Joe Torres is, but you look at your photos and you're flipping through them, your grandkids are flipping through them, uh, your kids are flipping through them. I want them to go and look and be like, yeah, that's us. I want you to say, yeah, that's us. That's our story. We're in there. And that, that became a real crucial part for me. Um, and it, it's something that I've noticed that clients really appreciate is just taking the time to learn about them, to, to kind of understand what they want. And all of a sudden, the Pinterest photos don't matter. But now I've got them hooked on this idea that I'm capturing them. And so now I've just established a ton of value. So now I go, guys, okay. So now we're going to get into kind of the fun part. We got to talk about how much is it going to cost? But they're still in this space of emotional brain, not calculating brain. And that's critical because I've noticed that other photographers and videographers I've spoken to, they start getting them to think logically versus emotionally. So you should be thinking logically. They should be thinking emotionally. And so when, when you've got them there, at that point, you go, okay, here are our packages. And you say, you know, based on, hey, based on what you've told me, here's what I think you need. 
I give them two options. I never show a price sheet because we're going to just talk it through. Cool. Great. Awesome. Listen, all that's required is a signed contract and a down payment, whether it's 25%, 500 bucks, 1500 bucks, whatever. The other key to this is making it frictionless. Reduce the friction. If you make it difficult for the sale to happen, you, you're starting to tarnish all that loveliness that you just built up. And then it may or may not collapse. But usually if, you, if there's a lot of friction in, okay, well, we would require the whole thing up front. Ouch, right? Well, now my pocket hurts. Now, now I'm going into, crap, can we afford that? Versus, oh, okay, a deposit, cool, we could do that. Oh, the payments are broken up, cool, we could do that. And, and, and to me, that's kind of how, like, I've, over time, from even personal training to now, is always, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Mm, that's that's a that right there. I, I don't want to I don't want to stop you, but I want to interject. Yeah, everybody knows that, that that knows me well knows I everything for me comes back to a mindset coach concept, right? And what you everything that you just said over the last ten minutes, Joe, leans into this idea of everybody's heard me say this a million times, right? The idea, but the difference between scarcity and abundance. And uh, and uh, y'all, if if you don't know this yet, hey, everyone, please, I have gotten so much of this from my buddy Ben Hartley. Um, but the reality here is, let me let me interject for just long enough to say something that's kind of bold. What Joe is suggesting is not that you get incredibly good at manipulating people into buying your goods. What he's suggesting is that you have such a appreciation for the abundance of clients and the quality of clients and the value of your work that you get good at serving them, authentically serving them. And the byproduct of that service is a high percentage of sale. Am I right, Joe? So the scarcity flip side, the other side of that would be to say, I can't let anybody else book this couple. So I'm going to get very good at manipulating them into thinking that I'm the best option. But when you walk into that, you're terrified of every contract that doesn't close. But in this situation, Joe, so how do you handle? Let me, let me, let me take us, push us forward then. How do you handle rejection? How does that feel to you when you've walked through this entire process and a couple looks at you and says, like, we just we can't afford it? So that's very that's an awesome question because there's two sides to that. So sometimes it sucks. I'm not gonna lie. Like it it sucks, right? Because Sometimes I end up enjoying the couple so much just from off their story alone. Um, but if I'm at a point where I've got potentially another lead or I've got another couple leads on the same day, I'm, I'm going to let it slide. I'm be like, you know what? It sucks. But hey, you know what? Guys, what is your budget? And let me try to find somebody that, that can help you. So you continue to serve. Part. You just continue yeah. to serve, even when they're not okay. So, uh, next next logical question then is I because I run into this a lot. How do you break up with a couple? Like you're sitting there and you're like, this isn't this isn't a good fit. Where's so remember how I told you? So remember how I told you you don't show a price sheet? Mm-hmm. I show a price sheet. That's my way of breaking up. 
Very subtle. Or, you know what? If, if the couple really wants me, and I learned this from somebody, uh, just charge more. Show them your top package. Be like, listen, like, I think you need this. Like, I think this is going to be what it is or, or this option, like realistically. And if they, if they buy it, dope. They just made it worth your time. Um, but most likely they're not. <laughs> and, but usually I'll just show a price. she be like, listen, guys, this is awesome. Um, you know, I hear our pricing, you know, and then, um, let me know what you guys think. I love it. I mean, let's let's just say it as 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 blunt as we possibly can. We have to, in order to be more successful in this industry, we have to take the fear out of sales, right? Like, I mean, I, I think for the most part, um, ninety plus percent of our industry lies in one of these three buckets, right? We either want better sales, we want more time, or we want more profit, but. All of those three things point to the same um, symptomatic problem, which is that we're just out of balance as creatives, right? Like we, we're either not charging enough, and so we feel as though our margin isn't high enough, or we aren't closing enough, so we feel as though like there, there just isn't enough business to keep us afloat, or we're uh, over overtaxed in our time and there's no way that we can actually like thrive in our creative ability when when we don't have enough time to do it. So one of the reasons that we ended up on this call, Joe, which I I I love I love that you're the guy to talk sales with me because we've had some really big names, some like big, big names on this call or on this podcast. And I think it's important to point out that at some point this isn't to take away from them by any means. I mean, these guys are great friends of mine, but at some point, your name starts to sell itself, right? But Joe, you're still very much in the hustle. And, and so I want to hear from, from you. you. You asked me to be on this call because you said you have a really high percentage of clothes. And so I, I want you to talk, talk us through that. What does that mean to you? So... <laughs> Um, I'm actually going to open up HoneyBook right now for an actual accurate representation. Hey, this is a great time for us to interject and just go ahead and say it. I guess this episode is being brought to you by HoneyBook. And if you'd like to DM me, I can send you a link (laughs) for a free discount with your HoneyBook. All right, Joe, go ahead. Okay, you ready? According to HoneyBook, my success rate, 89.66%. So nine out of 10 clients. That, that receive nine out of 10 that, that go into your portal system. Yep. Nine out of 10. If I get you on the phone, I'm most likely going to get book you. Mm, that's powerful. The reason, yeah, the reason, so this kind of goes back to that question that you asked, like a little bit of like, what if I can't afford you? If I really liked your story, if I really connected with you, I'm not necessarily giving you a discount. What I will do is figure out the base for you. So, and and part of that comes from your packages, right? Because the higher your package, the reason it's so high, granted, not just your experience, but there's stuff in there, right? I mean, come on, there's probably an album in there. There's probably a 
let's be real. There's probably a 12 inch album in there with 30 pages. There's probably a parent album in there, maybe. Um, there's probably an engagement session, rehearsal dinners. There's something in there. What happens if you took that stuff out and was like, guys, I love your story. I understand your budget. What if we did this? And so here's, here's where kind of what has really helped me a little bit uh, this year, especially I've noticed <clears throat> in terms of more so in terms of videography than photography, but I'm kind of straight up honest with my couples and I'd be like, okay, guys, understandably, you can't afford this. What do you guys really want? Well, we need you for eight hours. We want at least a highlight film. Okay, cool. I know how much that costs off the top of my head. Okay, I'll give it to you for, for X. And then right after that, right after we're booked, we're sealed. I, actually, I'm sorry, before that, let me back up a little bit. Okay, guys, can I just be honest with you and tell you that most couples end up coming back and they purchase upgrades because the question they have next right after, okay, we can't afford you, right? Because they're going to start to negotiate. They're going to be like, can we, are we allowed to buy raw later? Are we allowed to buy the video album later? Can we potentially do that later? Yeah. Or I'll be honest and be like, listen, this is your first time getting married, right? Hopefully. Uh, and I'll be like, look, guys, most couples, they upgrade later. So why don't we just do a base package for you now? Let's at least, you know, you want to use me. I love you guys so far. So why don't we do this? And then guess what? Eight weeks after I've delivered their highlight film, they've got some money. Probably because as gift from their wedding, most likely, or they just, they kind of find the revenue and they, they're like, we want more. And that has actually happened. I sold a, um, a wedding video, same exact detail. So sold it at like 2,500 bucks. Post wedding, next day, post wedding. She was like, the bride came back to me and was like, she literally called me on the phone. She was like, I wanted to personally thank you. She's like, we loved you and your team. You guys were amazing. You made us feel amazing. Let me know how much it is to get XYZ. That was an extra $2,500 purchase. So now that wedding just went to five grand. And I think that's the part where we kind of get caught up with ourselves is we've got to sell the package as is. You're the assistant buyer. How can you help them? Because you know you're going to do an amazing job and they're going to buy later. And if you want them to buy an album, you better start pitching that album right after you book. So be like, guys, like, I can't wait to show you the album. Like, this is what's going to happen next. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to have an album reveal. And they get this idea. And now you've planted these seeds in their head, like, I want an album. Cool. Make it, again, make it easy. Kill the friction. Like, if your album needs to go on a payment plan, do so. They don't get the album till the payment's all the way through. 
really, it's really brilliant. I mean, I, you know, almost every other industry, I think it's, it's important for us to point this out, but almost every other industry has a very clear path to purchase process. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to this before, but my, my wife is in marketing for, um, for a, uh, a major beverage distributor, um, working with the largest retailer in the world. And, and everything is very specific. Their path to purchase is very specific. And they create different opportunities for people to purchase, right? Like maybe you purchase this item in bulk at a club, or maybe you purchase this item um, as an impulse at the cash register or, or whatever it is. But the path to purchase is always very clean. And I think one of the things that we can do in this industry to, to really tee ourselves up for success in echoing exactly what you're saying, Joe, is to understand that there has to be a path to yes. And that is often built on having a very clear understanding of what our no is worth. So when we say no to something, where, where is that line drawn? And then assuming that that line has not been passed, then how do we get to Yes. And and I think that's a that's a really special, um, a really special lesson. I, maybe for us all to learn or relearn. Okay, so one of the things uh, as we're kind of on the back end of the conversation here, one of the things I want to ask you about is something that I've challenged um, a number of people on in this in this podcast as well as just in our trainings forever. But it's this this idea of like realizing that for all the work that we put in, all this time and all this effort. What if what if you're just what if you're forgettable? Right? What if like all of this effort goes into creating a product that is quickly forgotten? And it sounds to me like you've you've hacked the the answer here. But I want to know how is it that 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, when your clients are looking and their kids and their grandkids are looking at these, how is it that they they won't forget who Joe Torres is. It really does come down to how you made them feel at the end of the day. I think, especially, and, and you and I have talked about this like long ago, um, and the big thing for me was I want people to make sure they feel comfortable and taken care of. And that, I believe, is how it doesn't become forgettable, is from the get-go, from the first question, I made you feel comfortable enough to realize, like, I'm more about the human connection than I am about anything else at this point. Like, it'll, like, if a call goes an hour, two hours, cool. Like, I just learned a whole bunch about you in two hours. And you feel comfortable enough with me to talk for two hours and tell me things in your life that, you know, you may put a little black tape on, but I can get an idea of what it was. And that impact that you leave on someone, it's almost like an imprint. Like you can't forget because when they look at those photos, there's magic that shows up. And they'll start to remember, how did we get there? Oh, because that dude Joe made us feel really comfortable. He cared about us. 
he gave us a space to feel this, what's in this photo. And so I think that's, that's how you become unforgettable. Perfectly said. Because you, what, what you've done here is you've painted this idea of like, okay, so we're, we're leading you, listeners, we're leading you into the idea of more successful sales. And I, I say it that way intentionally, not better sales, more successful sales. We're, we're headed that direction with you right now. So Joe, you start by, by caring. You start by investing in people. You start by investing your time. You, you make the first investment, right? So give us three other than tactics, like three other parts of the process um, that maybe I can, that, that anybody listening can use and utilize starting like right now, right today, to have a more successful sales structure? So one, obviously, is just listening to them. Can't, like putting, putting the, obviously we said it, was putting that investment of, I want to hear about you. Um, being transparent, like being honest with them. Um, you know, don't go in to a sales call with the idea of how much money it is. Like if you go into a sales call for money, it's probably going to fall apart because you're only thinking about the money at that point. Um, You've got to humanize it. So go in with the intention to see if you can help them. Whether Whether you get them or you can refer them to someone else. Go with the intent to help. And then the last one, number three. um, hmm. Knowing. Trying to find the words to put it together so maybe you can help me out. But knowing when to take away from your package and knowing what the investment's gonna be later. So kind of knowing like, okay, yeah, here's the whole package if I really wanna give it to you, but you know what? I know you can only afford the bare bones. So I'm gonna pull back on what's included, but give you the bare bones. So knowing, knowing, knowing yourself, I guess, and being comfortable with being able to back off or take away from yourself, I guess. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, so so let me sum this up because from the get go, from the from the jump here, here's what you've essentially told us. So if you pa- if you fast forward to forty minutes in this in this chat, here's here's what you've missed. Okay, invest first. Like learn to love people because they deserve it, and build relationships with people because they're they're asking, they're hiring you for a service that's very important. It's important for us to remember all the time that 90% of the people at a wedding will experience some interaction with the photographer and never even see the photography. So invest first. Then Joe suggested that you remove any friction that you can. Find just a clear, smooth, and easy process through which any headaches can be alleviated and people can 
truly enjoy buying from you, which I think is a, a special thing for us to point out. Like there is a world in which people should, but at least could enjoy purchasing your product. Then establish value before you even discover cost, right? Like build in why this is important, how it's going to affect your future and why it's such an important investment and then discuss cost. Then go in with the intent to help them through that entire process. And your motivation needs to be not in justifying the cost, but in justifying and building the relationship. And then lastly, what you said was essentially know how to be flexible or where to be flexible because it's not a balanced statement for you to invest in people as humans and love on them and care about them as long as they hit your bottom line right so there has to be there has to be room here for for maneuverability did i just sum up the whole thing you did. You did. And I, I want to add one more thing. Um, Go for it. And this took, this took a while. Confidence. You have to have believe in what you're worth and believe. In not, and I'm not talking about worth as in dollar signs. I'm talking about worth as in what your art does for someone. What does your photograph, your wedding, your, your videography, whether you do weddings, commercial portraits, doesn't matter. Like knowing that this can leave an impact on someone and move someone and, and you get people to see things in a different way. But the confidence in knowing like no matter what happens, I've helped this person and impacted them in some way, shape or form. Because I've had that where I was confident in a sale and um, they were like, okay, cool. We have one more photographer to talk to. And I was like, go for it. Go for it. I said, and when I hung up that call, I knew in the back of my head they'd be returning. Only because most other photographers aren't doing what I'm doing. And they literally came back and they said, yeah, the conversation was so different than what we had with you. And we love the conversation we had with you. And then, you know, they kind of spilled their hearts out. And I was like, okay, cool. That's done deal. And I think part of like, so yes, confidence is, is knowing what you're worth, believing in your own product, believing what you do, right? Um, and part of that 90%, we can say, right? The, the nine out of 10 is because those clients start to become similar in some way, shape or form. Because the more work you do, the work you're attracting the work you're showing, they're kind of the same people. And you said something on a podcast the other day that I was listening to, which was you purposely show images that are imperfect. That says a lot because the industry tries to show perfection. But showing imperfection is life. 
is real life, right? Real life isn't perfect. You're showing humanity. And the thing that tells a story, and as humans, we're connected to story, is humanity. And I think that is how you really succeed, is having this greater sense of humanity and taking a back seat personally. Man, what a good, what a, honestly, there's no better way. I don't think I could, I'm not even going to try. What a perfectly sincere way to wrap that conversation up. I mean, to just say as simply as, it, as, as we can, if you want to be more successful or if you want to sell uh, at a higher percentage rate, or you want to make more money or incremental growth or whatever. Joe's process, what, what he's done over the, the last several years is to refine relationship and to add value via that relationship. And he's done it so sincerely that the product that he's delivering, the process that he's delivering to his clients is infinitely more valuable than what they're paying. There's no better sales than that. So, hey, Joe, real quick, buddy, give us, give us a, give us a, all the ways because people are going to listen to this, and they they're going to need more from you. So, give us all the ways that people can connect with you, um, you know, reach you, follow you. Um, I, there's there's going to be no shortage of people here that are going to want to know who Joe Torres is. So. Hit them with all that info. <laughs> For sure. Um, and yeah, this this kind of just is just like a, a message to say, like, if you do want more help, you want to go into more detail. Um, I'm super open book um, and pretty available as Miles knows. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you guys can catch me on Instagram uh, at Joseph T squared. Um, you can email me. It's the same. That's my personal email. So feel free. Um, it's the same as my Instagram, just at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook <laughs> and in the photographic collective. Uh, I am an admin there. So I see all the fun things that you guys post. <laughs> so, but yeah, if anyone has questions, you want to jump on a call, happy to help. Joe, Joe was one of the early, um, the early members of, of the leadership team uh, over at, uh, at the Photoco group. And those of you guys that are listening that may not already be members or know what that, what that is exactly, uh, let me say it just, just this bluntly. When, when we uh, sort of refounded, uh, more like refined the Photographic Collective and, and started turning this into a really intentional community of people, it was important for me to find... Um, like-minded but very different artists that could direct the cultural growth of of what that meant. And uh, and Joe, you've been you've been an integral part of that um, all the way from you know the early conversations of us. You know how how can we get just a couple hundred people in here, or can we get a hundred people in here? To uh, to what do we do with trolls and with people that are you know negative and and all of that stuff? And now into finding. Um, these these offshoot these mastermind groups that that I know that um, so many people are a part of, and I'm grateful to be able to see 
those groups sort of split off. Join us over there, um, please, and uh, and follow along with with Joe's journey. It's a live look. It genuinely, it's a live look at what a uh, an artist in in twenty twenty two looks like um, from you know the 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 busiest most uh, most diverse and also most concentrated um, city in the country. And Joe is is you know from the from the Bronx to Brooklyn making it work right now, and it's really fun to watch. So, dude, thank you so much for joining me in here today. This has been filled with. I feel like we just hosted more of a workshop than a podcast episode, but so many nuggets, Joe. All right, you guys. Well, hey, this is the we've we've officially come to the end of Joe. Are you ready for this? Our fiftieth episode, brother. Fifty. Oh, let's go. Um, Number fifty. Isn't that, yeah, dude, you, what, congratulations, I guess, uh, you know, awesome. more That's like, awesome. thank you. Um, yeah, it has been, uh, it's been a year, um, of, of incredible growth and incredible, uh, reflection and, and, uh, you know, genuinely you guys that are listening from, from the, the bottom of my heart, um, and I will speak to Jer- for Jared as well. We had no idea what was going to come from this or the scale that was going to come from this. And so, you know, from the early conversations with Allison Conklin and Phil Porto through the ones that went wild and viral with, with Jonas and fair uh, to my favorites, um, the ones like the, the conversation with David Kovacs. And um, man, I think this one is going to rank up there for sure. I'm just so grateful for the guests and the listeners um, and uh, and the friends that keep showing up every week. So we will see you again next week with uh, with undoubtedly somebody exciting. And, uh, and you guys get out there and go close some sales. We'll see you in the Photo Code group. Thanks.